Leading Wild is a community of leaders who connect, learn, and grow to create the future. The Leading Wild series provides space and time for this community to gather, learn, share, and take home empowering ideas and strategies. Leading Wild is geared towards new and mid-career leaders who are deepening their leadership practice and also broadening their networks. And now, your host, Steve Vassor for Leading Wild. And so I want to welcome you, Brother Boomy, to Leading Wild, which is a podcast focused on uh, a podcast and really a community of folks who are focused on figuring out how to lead while they're also bringing their full selves to the work that they're leading. I'm glad you um, were able to be with us. And, you know, just by way of introduction, I want to let the listeners and, and the community know that, you know, you're a teacher, you're a business owner, you're a visionary, you're an inspiration and an inspirational speaker. You're a mentor. And in addition, you're a survivor and a thriver. They're going to understand uh, why I said those last two in a, in a few moments. But I just want you to take me back. This moment that we're going to start with right. is it's the beginning of a moment. Yeah. And you're still sort of in the moment. Yeah. But what's beautiful to me is uh, what's emerged since the moment. And so, you know, I just want you to take me back to the day that the accident occurred and and then bring us, if you can, through that moment to where we are now. Cool. So my name is Oshun Boomi Samuel. Folks call me Boomi. Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've always been a fighter. I've always been, you know, now I say this to the young people who are listening. I was a kid in class who was always getting talked to, told that, you know, you're talking too much, you're interacting too much, you are um, engaging too much, because I always wanted to get into the mix of what was going on, and I, and I, and, um, I consider myself a connector in that way. I just love people. I love, I love black people. I love brown people. I love people in my community who just have an essence about them that is amazing, and I love to accentuate that and also model that within myself. And I'd be remiss if I didn't you know, talk about um, my ability to be here and get through my accent, which I'll talk about in two seconds that I always, I don't think there's any difference between myself and my ancestors who got through what they got through. You know, I think that, that we, we, we have perspectives on moments in history, but really we're just, we're repeating our strength in different time periods. And if we know the history of what came before us, we can begin to know that this is not something that is impossible or whatever we're experiencing is impossible. Um, we're in the midst of this coronavirus, but we also, you know, that indigenous brothers were in the midst of their own virus, their virus challenge. Tuskegee, you know, the African Holocaust, traveling from, you know, the western parts of Africa to the Caribbean and Americas. Those are all, you know, considered catastrophes. You know, viruses in their own their own right. You know, and folks did did pass and trans, transition to another space. Um, but the folks who made it were allow, allowed us to be where we are right now. They were special people. They were folks who chose to be here. And I think that through my challenges in, on July 8th, 2014, when I decided to just do a, a recreation skydive, you know, I, I realized that I was in the same moment as my ancestors were. I had to decide whether I was going to live or not live. And as um, I, you know, the emotions, the, the, the head, right, it's the, the head and then the heart, my headspace was, was extremely anxious about doing that. Um, I don't know why. I think sometimes your head kind of tells you things that you don't necessarily know why, but 
I don't know why, but I was extremely anxious, but I, I found myself pushing past that anxiety because I really wanted to, um, so really wanted to enjoy my birthday, which was July 7th. So um, on July 8th, when I went and embarked on that, that experience, I was, I was nervous, I was anxious, but I was, I was driven to do it. And as I, you know, got ready and, and, and uh, went into the plane and worked through my nerves and allowed somebody else to kind of control, control uh, what was going to happen next because it was a tandem, a tandem um, jump. I found myself breaking through. I found myself, you know, relying on this, this like, you know, you say you want to do this, you're going to do this, you know, kind of pushing that way and jumping, just realizing really right away that something wasn't right. You know, um, it wasn't something, it wasn't something of my, like of my mental consideration. It was something that something deeper was just telling me something wasn't right. But then I let my mind tell me, talk me out of that and kind of just continue to have faith in what I said I was going to do. And, um, as I'm spiraling, spiraling through the sky, you know, it just got worse and worse. And at that point in time, you don't really have a sense of height. You don't have a sense of how far you're jumping, how fast you're jumping. All those things come afterwards when people analyze, right? People talk about what was happening in that moment. But I just knew that, um, that it was terribly wrong and, and I, may not, I may not come through it, you know? So in that moment, I think when you're getting ready, when you're in a death life space, um, if anybody's ever been through that, for me, it was like something was pulling me towards death. Then you have something that's pulling you towards life. And it's like a, a battle that you're going through. And, you, and in that battle, um, this energy, this force is kind of determining, you know, what's happening next. And you have, for me, I can speak for myself, I had a, a moment where it was like my will was like, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to check out, which was very real. I was kind of already checking out. Things were beginning to fail and, and, my mind was getting right, it, was, it was, was slipping, you know, from a physical space. I felt myself just checking out, checking out meaning I felt myself dying. And just realizing at that moment, something, something started speaking to me and saying to me, you know, do you want to be here? Do you not want to be here? Do you want to live? Do you not want to live? And really, I remember myself talking to myself like, boomy, you know, boomy, what are you going to do? Like, like, what are you going to do? Talking to myself through it. It's like, okay, this is going to happen. All right, when you hit this ground, what's going to happen next? How are you going to respond? It's really talking myself through it and finding like my, my will started to rise in that moment. Like who I am, like who I've always been since that kid that was that rebellious kid who was always engaging, always going against the grain. That, that served me in that moment, you know? And for black boys and brown boys who are out there who are always told, you know, don't be strong, you know, walk, walk, you know, walk quietly, you know, don't be, don't be at your best, don't give it your all, you know, so that, that kind of dumbing down of the spirit you know, I would say to them to reject that because in the moment that I was at my, my most challenging moment, it, rever- it reverted back to my childhood where that same energy, that same will, that same personality that was me came in handy. So if I would have let that go years ago, when I was that young boy in Bedford-Stuyvesant, Brooklyn, going to PS44, if I would let that go, I wouldn't have built that muscle up over years to be able to, to capture the moment. I wouldn't, I would not be here. I know that for sure. It was only through that muscle of me being driven, me being self-determined, me making, um, people know me. I'm very passionate. I'm very loyal. I'm an extreme worker. If I didn't have all those qualities kind of built up in me and I didn't have such a love, a love of like, you know, of breaking through, I would not have been able to build that muscle to the moment where I, I needed that muscle more. Um, and I would say that your muscles aren't, 
aren't for the moment. They're mostly for the future moments. So even as we're talking about what's happening with coronavirus, what's happening now, you're not, it's not really about this moment. It's about what happens with the harder times to come. You know, the moment is here, the, the moment is here, and you build that muscle is there, and hopefully everybody is, is leaning into that muscle, but that muscle is going to be needed, needed to be grown and nurtured over the next three months, six months, year, year and a half. When this all dissipates, it's like, are you going to be prepared for the next moment? So you said something that I, I, is really, there's a moment that I read about and, and I'm not sure if it's true or not. I sent you a yeah. link, but you said something really powerful and it's, it's, it goes underneath the muscle. It goes to the will. Yeah. Right. It goes to the choice point in the will. And I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to you as someone who, you know, sort of had one door close yeah. and several other doors open. And uh, I'm also speaking to someone, uh, speaking to you as someone who is watching coronavirus ravage minority communities across the country and even across the globe, because we're hearing some interesting things from the diaspora. Uh, and, I, and I'm just interested. I, wanna, I want you to dig a little deeper into this idea of will. Yeah. Right. Because the choice point, I mean, even to go work that muscle, as you talk about, it took some will. Yeah. Um, and in the story that I read, and, and again, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but the piece that caught my attention in that story was at impact. And even though, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, your body was crushed. Mm-hmm. You know, according to this document, you were still able to get the person, the tandem instructor off of you, one, and to hold on long enough for the first responders to get to you, even though you could feel yourself slipping away. That's the way the the document read. And so if, you know, I just think about the strength, I think about the um, the fortitude, um, the sheer act of will in an important moment, in the most critical moment, Right. And I think about people who are struggling through coronavirus or COVID-19, who've either lost someone, lost a job. There's been a lot of losses here. Right. And just wondering what you would how you would advise them and what you would say to them about will in this moment. So so I have a um, and I want to be careful. I'll be honest and I hope it doesn't come up as callous. I have a certain kind of feeling about life and death, especially through my experience. It is true that during those most those hardest moments, I was really more concerned about somebody else than I was concerned about myself. I was really more concerned about the stranger I didn't know and make and ask him if he was okay than concerned about myself. It was important for me to make sure that he was okay because internally, although I was very panicked for a minute, I felt very resolved and very much at peace. Because in my choice, I was I made a clear choice that if I was going to live, I was going to die. I was going to make sure I, I gave it my will. I gave it my all. I gave it my, I, I gave myself to it. I was not going to, to dance between whether I was sure or not sure, possibly, not possibly. I was going to put the determination to say this is how I, I, I wanted to go. Now, how, how it played out is, is, is bigger than me, I, I believe. But I think that, I think that there's something bigger working, working around us, right? I think that um, people are passing away and people are dying and, and it's tragic. And, and what, we have, what we can do in that moment is that we have to 
not only celebrate them, but to ask ourselves, what would they want us to do in the moment, right? How, if they transition, I don't believe people transition, I don't believe that they're gone forever. I believe that they still remain with us. But how do we take, how, what would they want us to do? Would they want us to, to exist? Or would they want us to survive? Or was to really to thrive? Like, what would they want us to do? You know, like, what, 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 what's our place in this moment to transform how we're living? Because everything we're seeing, this coronavirus, this is not a new thing for us in terms of tragedy in our community. It's not a new thing for us in terms of, of, pe- of the lack of resources in our community or the lack of access to, to healthcare in our community, right? And the question is, are we going to repeat the same cycle of, of doing things by our lonely? You know, organization A, organization B, individual A, individual B doing their own thing. Or are we going to really embrace what folks like Garvey were saying 100 years ago about us really working on, on, on our collective work and responsibility to each other? Falling in love with ourselves, right? Because we want best for ourselves, but falling deeply in love with each other and what somebody else needs at this moment. And I think that, again, this is not to undermine the tragedy because it's going to be deeply sad, deeply tragic to see people go. Um, But at the same time, we also have to know that we have a duty to those people who go to make sure that what we create next, what we create in this moment, how we connect to each other, how we serve each other, Um, because there's people who are dying inside, people who are dying physically. A lot of people are in their rooms right now under their sheets on their floors who are dying emotionally. And that's another aspect that we have to really think about too. Um, how are we going to make sure that we are taken care of in our community, in our inner circles, in our families to create a different dy- dynamic and conversation about, about one, what we deserve as, as a community, how are we going to and get, you know, how are we going to connect to get that thing that we deserve and how are we going to make sure that the systems that we need to, to support what we need are in our favor and we're not repeating the same conversations, you know, the next go around. Because I think these things happen, they're not new things, but they happen repetitively and they have have a different name, a different color, a different scope, a different medical diagnosis, but there are repetitive tragedies that we have to adapt and adjust to. And the last thing I would say is that as human beings, nothing is promised to us, right? From a very primal state, I had to really get myself together. Because I've been in an organizational and nonprofit space for a long time. Even in my recovery, even when I survived, I said, I'm going to do my absolute best. I'm going to be my absolute best. I still fell back to entitlement. I still fell back to, you know, I'm going to, you know, it's going to work out. It's going to be all right. You know, this is going to, you know, I'm going to go in and this medical facility is going to, is going to help me do what I got to do. Or I'm going to go to this program. I'm going to, it's going to show up and, Everything's gonna go, it's gonna get better like that. But that's not the way it goes. And I had to check myself on my own makeup to say, yes, I got through something, but that same thing I got through with have to stitch that same commitment and dedication to continue to improve. And also, how do I teach others to break through as well? So I think it's critically important that that one, that we that our faith in something bigger than us exists. I think, too, that our efforts to not only operate as, as a silo, but to operate as a collective improves. Um, I can't tell you how many calls I've been on that, and I was saying when I first got on, that um, are frustrating because my mentality is just different. And I, I had a mentality that was very much the same before, but 
my urgency around what I what I know has to happen, a lot of times is missed and it might come off as overly passionate to folks who are playing the systems game. You know, I'm playing the, the, the grant game. I'm playing the wait for somebody to tell you it's okay game. I, I plan everything that you're fighting against right now by stepping out and doing your own thing. Folks are, are not about that. A lot of folks are about kind of like, you know, it might verbally sound like that, but the actions of it are not, are not aligning. And I realized that the way we get through these, these, these challenges is by, by verbally, by firstly internally committing to it, verbally committing to it, and having our actions follow what we're committing to. So what I'm committing to, I'm committing to not only surviving, I'm committing to, to loving myself, I'm committing to loving my brother and my sister, I'm committing to getting through this, um, and on the other side of this, creating something that's new and different. That's my commitment to myself, that's my commitment to people I love, that's my commitment to my community, my commitment to the world. And that's commitments have to be, you have to ask me, what's that commitment? The commitment to do the same, because the same thing is not going to work. We've realized that, right? If you were, if you were into going to the same job with the same rhythm of I'm doing this and then doing this, doing that, or you're committing to your child going to school and getting this, getting that, that commitment is not going to work anymore. It requires a new commitment. And that commitment is going to be uncomfortable. It's going to make folks push back and say, say, boom, you're, 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 old, you're, you're simplifying this. But from my experience, until you make that commitment, until you make that uncomfortable commitment and be scared doing it, because surely I don't like talking about my story on, on podcasts, but Steve asked me, I, I know, and I believe that what you're doing is about that commitment. It's about, it's about doing something that's uncomfortable, out of the norm, against what your, 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 your nicely packaged world might have been, and creating a new conversation. So that's in line with my commitment, to be uncomfortable. And I think folks have to, have to get used to that feeling of discomfort get used to that feeling of, of urgency, get used to that feeling that they believe in something bigger than them, so there's no really need to panic, right? It's need to plan, but not panic, right? Which is a very, a very different mindset, and it's a need to show up differently in the world and practice showing up differently. It doesn't happen automatically. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a muscle that has to be grown and practiced and, and, and increased, but you have to work on that muscle and ask yourself some really hard questions. So, um, so Boomi, you gave, you gave several really strong gems right yeah. in, in there. And I just want to run them back to you really quickly. Yeah. And, and it's in part, it's for the benefit of my brain. And well, I'm just part, talking. So, so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta help me out too. And no worries. No worries. <laughs> right, I'm, it's I'm, good. I'm, well, it's good. So, yeah. It's, it's uh, it's good, and uh, and I want to I want to share back with you because the key words, like one of my questions, is sort of the messaging, and I think you you went right to it. Is what would we tell, you know, what would we tell leaders right now about you know the next step? And so what's dope about this is in a very short you know window, you like hit the post that I really wanted to hit. Like, what would we want people to know? And part of what you shared, you know, where we started was will. And digging into into the idea of will took us into commitment. Yeah. And when you broke out commitment, you talked about, you know, commit committed thought, committed words, which lead to committed action. But the other things you mentioned were humility. Mm -hmm. uh, you didn't say the word humility, but you defined it. You know, the definition was there in your words, um, you know, being willing to step back and, and recognize it. You know, you're not the 
it's not about you. It's much bigger than you. Um, that there's, there's so much more to learn. So there's a humility in that there. You also mentioned faith, um, that it's much bigger than you from the standpoint of spirit. You know, you, you know, you talked about in the moment, there was something that, you know, there was a question, you know, and, uh, within that question was, here's what I want, but even saying what you want took commitment and commitment took work because now you got to manifest. Yeah. You talked about urgency. And, you know, within that, what I love about that was, you know, typically people read urgency as panic or urgency quickly moves into mania. It either moves into manic or panic, (laughs) you know, but either way, it doesn't lead to planning. And you said, look, don't you got to plan. Don't panic plan. Yeah. Um, Which is, you know, and something else you said a few times is changing mindset. You talked about having a different mindset, but particularly you know, and that bed style raised you in a certain way. And there were, you know, there's a certain, there's a personality you came to the world with. This is who you are. And so what that allowed you to do, as much as people tried to quell that, that mindset also protected you in the moment, in key moments in your life. And so this mindset has now evolved. And what you're calling folks to do is change their mindset. And finally, this idea of practicing showing up differently. Mm -hmm. You know, so to me, like there, those were, let me count these, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seven, that's eight bullets right there. You know, any one of which is a study unto itself, you know? So I wanted to feed that back to you because to me, believe it or not, even as I'm just talking to you, like part of what I wanted to do was just talk, was to allow you to, you know, talk. Cause I know it was going to be dope. Yeah. But also, um, even in the feel of this version of the podcast, I want it to be more interactive than me just ask a question, you answer a question. Me ask a question, you know, like that feels a little dry. Yeah. But what I'm hearing as well is eight chapters in your book, believe it or not. Yeah. You know, that are that really get it doesn't it may start with this sort of the story or the narrative may hook people with the plane, the ground. Mm-hmm the recovery. But in fact, what's really underneath all of that are these lessons you just shared around uh, commitment, humility, faith, urgency, planning, you know, mindset and, you know, comfort in, you know, being uncomfortable that frankly, life can sometimes be, you know, it depends on your perspective. Life can be a a series of discomforts Mm-hmm. or life can be moving from comfort to comfort, right? Yeah. You know, it just depends. Like, you're, you know, you're trying to find this space. There was no question in there, Your Honor. It was just a reflection back to you of everything that you gave, you know, in that, just just in your talking, what you call just yeah. talking, yeah. Um, you know. You nailed, you nailed it. You nailed it. You might not remember this, but 2015, New York City, we're doing the Coast Bar Conference. Mm, mm-hmm. I think I was 15. At the, ja- at the Javits, yep. Ver- verbally, I wasn't strong. I, ver- I was struggling verbally. I was struggling cognitively. I had a really, really hard time. Um, I had a really bad brain injury. Well, I have a brain injury, but my brain injury was really severe at that moment. It took me a while to work through it and kind of, I'm still working through it. But I remember watching you speak on stage and you were hosting, you were hosting in, on stage. You were, you were transitioning the program. And that's what I'm saying. Every moment that I've been in, I've been studying. Mm. I humble myself to say, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not equipped at this point. Who I was, I'm no longer the same person. I had, to, I had to accept that reality. I'm not the same person I was. 
I don't look the same. I'm not thinking the same. My experience will not allow me to ever be the same again, right? And the experience, the experience does define you. So you have to decide in that experience, how are you going to equip yourself to maximize that experience, right? Not to be, not to be inundated by the experience, not to be sad. And you're going to go through those ebbs and flows because I've been through the depression. I've been through the sadness. I've been through, I don't want to go out. I've been through, I can't get out the house. I don't have anybody to help me. I've been through all those different phases, but there's going to come a moment where you have to make a decision and decisions are going to say, you're going to either go back to school, the school of life and study, or you're going to check out and not live. So to give you a really clear example, I can visualize it right now. Jacob Javis Center. I was in the back of the room. I wasn't that I wasn't the conference doing anything but trying to get back in the world. A friend of mine, Aisha, was doing the event planning. You know, she's been always really good to me. We're really, really close. And she invited me to come volunteer. I said, Aisha, I need to do something. I'm, I'm stuck in the house. Like I don't, I don't, I can't function. I got I gotta I gotta see people. I have to feel like I'm a part of something. She invited me to to the Jacob Javis Center. And and I'm I'm reflecting, reflecting now in a very cognitive way, but it wasn't like that back then. I was really at the table just like staring, mm-hmm. not functioning on a high level, just staring, like watching people go by, just, just watching it. The, the, for me, it was like mania because I'm just watching my eyes. I can't keep track. I'm trying to, but, I, but I'm present. I'm trying to be present. I'm trying to figure out how to get back in the world. This is my effort. I'm trying to get back in the world. What's going on? And I remember you going on stage and you communicating. I was like, that brother, he's a, he's a master communicator. I remember saying it to myself. In whatever way I said it, whatever words I said in, but that was a sentiment that I felt. And I'm saying to say that every time you're in a space where you can humbly learn and humbly get to your study about how to improve yourself, it's all around you. We get distracted by all the noise that's all around us about what somebody's saying, what they're doing, what's happening online. But if we really get quiet and get still and have a real honest conversation with ourselves about our insecurities, about where we are in terms of our success, our family, you know, our ability to love ourselves, our ability to, our regrets of our childhood. We have all these different things going on in our mind and our body is actually miraculous because it still holds that stuff. We got stuff that we hold for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. It's, we, we're holding it. Our brain is holding all of it and still, and still functioning every day. So the question is, what do we owe ourselves to transform out of that, that, that space? We have so much going on in our body and our psyches that are constantly happening. We're really punishing ourselves with the panic and the, and the fear and the, the doubt and the, and the stories about what didn't happen for us and what could have happened for us and what we should have done. And we have all these conditional things going on in our body that are, are dictating how we move. And we don't necessarily think, we, think they're dictating to us, but they are because they are in our calculations. They're in whether we go for the job or whether we go after the opportunity or whether we make the phone call, all those things are based on how we're calculating our past experiences. And oftentimes we're punishing ourselves because we haven't transformed out of those moments. So for me, my quote unquote accident was opportunity to transform. I I saw an opening. I cannot stay here. I cannot stay. I cannot be considered disabled in a way that I cannot, I cannot stay here. It's not a place I want to stay. I'm not going to be that story. I don't know what I'm going to be, but it's not going to be that story. I didn't survive this to exist in this. I didn't get through the, you know, the X amount of thousand feet through the air, losing everything. You no, know, my, my mind coming and going splat, 
going to the hospital, wait, being in the field, paramedics, choosing you second, all these different things I could have bought into. You know, I wasn't chosen first. I was chosen second. I, I consider why I could be said I, could, I, was, I was left to die. I could go into all those different things, all those different areas of trauma that could be a part of my narrative now and everything that's come after. I could, I could make that real. I really have a good case to make that my narrative. Somebody has lost their family through coronavirus and is in the house and doesn't have food. That's a really good case to stay in a narrative. You have all the rights to stay in a narrative. But what if you transform that narrative? Thank you for joining us at Leading Wild, a production of Leading Wild of Seek Further and a partnership with AIB Marketing. For more information and to join Leading Wild, please visit our website, leadingwild.com.